Warning, the following presentation is intended for mature audiences and it contains graphic descriptions of crime scenes, adult dialogue, and strong language. This podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and their guests and every effort is made to ensure that the information is accurate. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome fellow armchair detectives. I'm your host, Ashley Boitis. And I'm your host, Tamlin Rousseau. And And this this is Just in Crime. Join us as we explore the issue of gender-based violence and femicide in South Africa. By exploring the victims and their stories. 28-year-old Fatima Patel and her husband, Ramiz Patel, lived in Polokwane in a townhouse called Nirvana. Their life looked close to perfect, with Ramiz being a massive name in the business industry. But from April 2015, things would take a turn for the worse. Murders, attacks, and staged robberies would soon become the central theme for this young couple's life. Join us today as we explore the double homicide of Fatima and Majin Patel. The Patel parents, Majin and Feroza, moved from India to South Africa in order to start a wholesale empire. They set up their life in Limpopo, Polokwane, and had two sons, Razin and Ramiz Patel. So this can get kind of confusing throughout the case. So as juvenile as this may seem, for the sake of understanding, we're going to refer to Razin as the good one and Ramiz the bad one, just to avoid any further confusion. So... Ramiz, the bad one, met and married Fatima Patel, and they would go on to live a very close to perfect life. So, one day, Razin is visiting his brother and fixing a car tire at his home. When Fatima returns home in a clearly frantic and disrupted state of mind, When she entered the house, she immediately started packing her belongings into a bag, and I can only assume this is an attempt to leave the house. Fifteen minutes later, Ramiz storms into the house in a rage, and the couple start having a very heated argument. While Razin could not hear what the argument was about, he knew that this must have been bad, and shortly after, their young son came running out the house in complete hysterics. Razin obviously feels like he should go inside to see what happened, but as he gets to the doorway, is abruptly stopped by his brother and pushed out. Now, while Razin was curious and concerned about what had happened, he had learned from past experiences that getting into an argument with his brother was definitely not a good idea, since they had had previous assaults against him and decided it was best to leave the property. What happened in the hours that follow is still unknown, but shortly after this whole situation, Razin, the good one, is contacted by his brother Ramiz and told that he needs to meet him at a warehouse. On his way to the warehouse, Ramiz, 
the bad one, picks up a friend who he needs to give a lift to Savannah Mall. The friend gets to the car and opens the door, and he sees on the passenger's seat that there is a box. He opens the box, and inside he finds a gun, a handbag, and some clothing. So before we carry on with this conversation, dude, would you have opened that box? Okay, listen, if I was by myself and I knew I had enough time to open it, yes, because I am nosy. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. But like, what would you even say? Like if you opened it and you found a gun, a handbag and some clothing, like, I mean, what do you even say about that? So, I mean, he didn't ask him about what was in the box, but he did ask him um, where he was going. And he was very honest about this. He said that he was going to meet his brother at a warehouse. The friend honestly did not think this was suspicious and he was dropped off at the mall and made an agreement to be picked up later when he was done. Ramiz then made his way to the warehouse to meet up with his brother. And his brother notices that he's wearing a new set of clothes and that his hair is wet. At this point, Ramiz hands the box over to his brother and tells him that he needs to go and hide it somewhere in the warehouse and essentially goes and picks up his friend. I know some of you may be thinking at this point, why didn't he just go and tell the police? He had all the evidence. He should have done that. But I mean, Ramiz had previously threatened his brother, like, if you go, I will hurt you. So if anything, he was just far too scared to say anything. At this point, um, the day goes on and Ramiz goes to pick up his domestic worker, Sibongile, at about five o'clock. As they enter the house, Sibongile starts to look around and she sees that there is blood everywhere. Just minutes later, Ramiz comes out of the room and he is crying, literally wailing his wife's name. He's holding her lifeless body and he's like, Fatima, Fatima, Fatima. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is literally how it was described. And I want to make a point of this because I feel like it was just over-exaggerated. It was extremely inauthentic. And I mean, dude, do you think that his domestic worker believed him? <laughs> no, I definitely don't think she believed him. And I definitely also don't believe him. I mean, like I said, it's the histrionics. It's not authentic at all. And I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like your domestic worker knows more about your life than most people do. So when she saw this, I'm sure she knew that something wasn't up here. There had to have been a buildup of some sort. And I'm sure that she saw it. Um, but we were not the only ones who think that the situation just seems very, very suspicious. So later, when the police arrived, Fatima's body was lying in a pool of blood. Ramiz told police that it had been an intruder that hurt her. However, when detectives investigated further, it was concluded that Fatima had been brutally murdered and that none of the story made sense. So Fatima was first, hit with a baseball bat in the head. Second, she had then been choked so severely that her tongue bone broke. And then third, she was shot at close range. Now for me, it doesn't make sense. Why would an intruder break in, not take anything, and then on top of it, murder her so severely? It just doesn't make sense. Also, how would they know where a baseball bat and a gun were kept? But the police 
are on the same page and they feel that this is a typical case of intimate partner violence and the story just isn't adding up. So about a week later, Ramiz is arrested for the murder of Fatima Patel. So I would expect the story to stop there. But immediately after Ramiz's arrest, his girlfriend at the time, Nazin, calls his brother, asks for the box containing all the evidence, and she burns the contents, excluding the gun. Now, while this is the first time we hear her name, she does come up later, so I want you to just bookmark her name in your head. So as we know, most offenders have the right to apply for bail, and unsurprisingly, um, Ramiz was granted a bail of 250000 and returned to life as normal as he awaited trial. Now, you would think that if you were let out on bail, you'd want to keep a fairly low profile and not attract any attention to yourself. But this doesn't seem to be the case. On the 19th of September, Ramiz's mother, 51-year-old Majin Patel, was staying at the same Nirvana home with her domestic worker, when an armed and masked robber broke onto the property and opened fire on them. The domestic worker did not sustain any injuries. However, Majin would not be so lucky and was fatally wounded. She later died at the hospital. Now, as I mentioned before, this whole thing seemed to be an armed robbery gone wrong. But what really set off alarm bells for police officers and detectives is that nothing was stolen. And I mean, if it were an armed robber, why would they only kill one person? Why would they not kill the domestic worker and machine? So again, none of the story makes sense. Okay, so I just find it interesting that all these people around Ramiz seem to be dying under the same circumstances and they literally don't make sense at all. Oh no, I definitely agree. And I mean, everyone else agrees. Like this is too similar to be a coincidence. We have an armed robbery in which nothing is stolen and then the victims are murdered in a fashion that doesn't actually make sense. Eventually, everyone realizes that Ramiz is out on bail and he is quickly linked to the crime. Some sources even say that he was actually there minutes before and right after he left, the attack happened. Investigators also found out that Majin had told her friends and family that she was afraid Ramiz would kill her. Further investigation took place and eventually police were able to arrest Ramiz a week later in relation to the murder of his mother. Now, you would think that this is enough drama and too many horrific events for one family to go through. But there's some other cases I want to bring in here that are also linked. So, remember Ramiz's father, Feroz? He was actually known as basically the king of the throne in the business world of Limpopo. And earlier that year was also murdered by two armed robbers and nothing was taken. And to this day, this case remains unsolved. However, there is great speculation that Ramiz had something to do with this. The motive behind this was very clear. He had an insane inheritance left for him. And apparently, when Fatima died, it brought great shame among the family. And there were rumors that Ramiz had already lost a lot of his 
privileges and was being isolated by the family, and there was a good chance that he was about to lose his share in the business. In addition to this, another case I want to bring up. Remember Nazine, his girlfriend? Well, Nazine's father, so technically Ramiz's father-in-law, was also kidnapped and murdered. Now, while both these cases have not been linked back to Ramiz and he has not been charged for either of those murders, I think we can pretty much say that this is too wild for it not to be connected. Apparently, upon further investigation, we also found that Ramiz was being investigated for the murder of Tony Adams, a neighbor, in 2013. Tony was seen entering Ramiz's backyard on CCTV footage and was never seen coming out. The body was later found in a nearby parking lot. So, if all these allegations are true, and I mean, I am not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist or sociologist, but I definitely feel like he's a bit of a sociopath. So... Before we jump into court proceedings, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Justin Crime Essay for more episodes, case-related content, updates, and other riveting content. Also, always keep in mind we are not professionals in any of the discussed fields. If you or anyone you know is in danger, you can find resources on our social media pages or alternatively, you can contact the Gender-Based Violence Command Center at 0800 428428 or SMS help to 31531. So, the court hearings for this double homicide was complete madness, and honestly, trying to put a timeline together was near impossible. There was one point where Ramiz was being dragged from one courtroom for the murder of his wife to the other courtroom for the murder of his mother on the same day. So as you can imagine, this was a bit of a media hurricane. So a few days before Razine, Ramiz's brother, was supposed to testify, he was attacked in the same Nirvana house and essentially someone tried to break in and shoot him. Luckily, however, Razine survives the shooting and moves to the UK out of fear for his life. He is later then escorted to court with armed guards to testify against his brother. His brother told the court exactly what happened the day Fatima died and what happened to the evidence given to him that day. He also told the court that he told his parents what had happened to Fatima and shortly after, both his parents were dead. Anyway, this case takes so many twists and turns that it is literally outrageous. There is even one point in the court hearings where someone essentially stole evidence from the judge's chambers. And I mean, like, who steals from a courthouse? That's just ridiculous. It's supposed to be a place of ethics and law. So, I mean, what it happened was the um, defense had managed to get hold um, under suspicious circumstances of tapes and recordings um, of Ramiz. These tapes were also tampered with. The judge himself even said that too many strange things are happening in this case and that he has never dealt with a case like this. He also says that it is being unnecessarily long and a dreadful process in which has been dragged out by the accused himself. 
Family friends say Fatima's murder was the catalyst to the family's woes. With the family death count on the rise, many extended family have fled the country in fear of their lives. As I mentioned previously, Razine Patel has also fled to the UK, seeking sanctuary after he had been attacked. To this day, there has not been an update and Ramiz has not been sentenced. With the family unit dissipating, so too did its business empire. The family's chains of grocery stores and spare part shops spread out around the province had been sold and renamed. The murders have struck fear into the small Indian community in Polokwane, and I think for many people who heard about this case. The carelessness and lack of empathy that Mies has shown has been something that has truly left us speechless. So, dude, um, what did you think about the case? <laughs> well, what a case. Um, this guy... I just don't understand. He is such a big danger to society. Like, there's something genuinely not right with him. Yeah, and I mean, like, as I mentioned, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have any degree in people's minds. But I've read a lot of stuff. And I feel like he definitely shows tendencies of sociopathy and also, like, a narcissistic personality disorder. Because who thinks they're going to get away with a second murder on bail a week later and you're related to the victim. Like, how above the law do you have to think you are? And, I mean, also, I think we can see from just how he's conducted himself throughout this whole case that it basically, um, it's the issue that we have of the mindset that a lot of men, I guess, in South Africa have in that they are taught that they need to be powerful and dominant and violent in order to be respected. And that power can sometimes drive them to do some really insane things. Like Ramiz was clearly a case of, if you're going to get in my way, then I'm going to get rid of you. As Ramiz was not sentenced, we've decided we're just going to do our own sentencing because the suspense is killing us. So in the court of um, Ashley and Tam's opinion, we're going to start with the least hectic one, Nazine, his girlfriend. Like, sorry, girl, I know that you didn't have anything to do with it, essentially, but your behavior was very snake. And because of that, we're going to give you five years for defeating the ends of justice, for burning that box. Um, and yeah, maybe she can get up with just like a really expensive fine. Yeah, I feel like I agree with that. And then Ramiz himself. I'm going to give him 25 years for the murder of his life. Another 25 years for the murder of his mother. 15 years for defeating the ends of justice. And another 15 thrown in there just with some love from me for being a terrible person. And I needed to get a stab in for his um, father and his um, father-in-law. I am just still in absolute shock. Like, what an absolute mess of a case. Oh, dude, and I think that's the case with many of these cases. They're just honestly so wild. <laughs> Unnecessarily wild. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to check out our social media for more episodes, case-related content, and other riveting info. We'd also like to give a massive shout-out to Christian Putter for creating our theme song. Be sure to check out more of his work on Instagram at Christian underscore Putter. 
And then we would also just like to thank Anthony Catano for creating our album art. So be sure to follow him at AntCatano on Instagram. And lastly, we'd like to give a huge shout out to VU Media for helping produce this podcast. Be sure to follow them on Facebook and Insta at VU underscore Media SA.